Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. We've got a great show for you this week. Steve is going to be interviewing actor and producer Brian Perry, and that interview is awesome. I got to hear it in advance, and now you get to, too. We also are going to have Bill Snodgrass, our producer and game editor, talking about a tabletop role-playing game. We haven't done that in a while. But send us your questions and your comments. That's how we get our show together. That's how we program. One user-friendly on Facebook. One user-friendly on Twitter. You can also call us. We do support old school. 503-766-6264. If you give us a call, you'll get a recording. Eh, I'm sorry, but that's how it works. Leave your message. We do actually play them back. We do really look at them. And you might be able to get yourself on the air. The news is brought to you by Langer's Entertainment Center in Sherwood, home of the half-off happier hour. Half-off arcade play and pizza for the family, plus specialty cocktails and beer for mom and dad. So what's in the news today? Amazon explores turning shuttered stores into fulfillment centers. They're saying that somewhere around 50% of the shopping malls in this country may close over the next two years. And a big part of that is because so many of what were the anchor stores of the malls are in trouble. Sears, JCPenney now, all of these different brands were kind of the big deal, what you went into a mall for. And when one of them goes away, it cuts down on the mall traffic and then all of the stores tend to go out of business or move or, you know, something like that. So what Amazon's doing is they're eyeing this vast amount of retail space that's no longer being used with the idea of putting in fulfillment centers. Now, this would be different from a store like a JCPenney because it wouldn't be a place you go to shop. It's where they deal with sorting your order and getting it ready to ship and that type of thing. The one interesting thing about it is, is Amazon has what they call pickup lockers. Um, this is with if you have problems with porch pirates and that type of thing, uh, don't have a secured area, you can have things delivered to the lockers and then go pick them up and they're secure. And that is one of the things that they would be looking at putting in these small locations. So there's actually this idea that it might even drive relevance back to the mall for people going in to pick up their orders from Amazon and then being in the mall. So we'll see what happens with that. But that does seem to be the direction that this is going. I think this is a cool idea because, um, you know, our, our, our kids are going to miss out on the chance to have that mall experience. You know, it's kind of like a safe place to gather for teenagers. Right. And um, there's that, it would be sad to see the malls close. I agree completely. You know, there's actually a website called deadmalls.com, and it's like this nostalgic look at all yeah. the malls <laughs> that have closed. <laughs> Boeing 747 jets use floppy disks to update software. Yeah, this is kind of maybe a little bit scary. It's like the same idea that our nuclear warheads still use floppy disks to update their software. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, floppy disks work. It's a test. It might technology. be more secure. And uh, and it's kind of funny. I got to see a picture um, uh, from DEFCON. Uh, they were showing how to hack a 747. And the floppy disk reader is like this giant thing that's in the cockpit. And uh, it has an <laughs> LED display above it. And it says, insert disk, whatever. And then you have this set of floppies. And what they're updating is the onboard software, like the navigation, that type of thing. Same stuff that we update in our cars. and the modern world over the air or with, you know, a flash drive or something. Uh, okay, I, I can't say that I miss installing 42 floppy disks to get a program. I, <laughs> I really can't say I miss that. And that How is, many people actually remember that? And yeah. that's the biggest complaint with this, actually, is because what was one disk or two disks to start with years ago 
is now becoming where they're shipped this huge pile of disk. And because of security, an engineer has to come out and go to each plane and physically install these updates. So, I mean, you know, it it has a certain amount of uh, logistical problems, too. It's a closed network, so it's secure from that standpoint. But uh, but it is interesting to see where some of these old technologies are really still out there. Twitter users can now control who replies to their tweet. So, Gretchen, you do our social media. What do you think? Would you like to have control over who can reply to a tweet? Um, I think it would be very time consuming. And it seems kind of odd. I mean, I, I think it's kind of, um, can we say anal retentive on, on the radio? I believe that that is an accurate term for something like okay. this. Okay, <laughs> that might be just a little strange, you know. I, I mean, the idea is to share openly. I guess this probably comes from some of the um, troll wars that people yeah, get involved probably. in. And maybe they're trying to cut down on that? I think that is part of it. I think the other part of it is, and we talked about this in a previous show, is Twitter is trying to figure out a way to be able to charge its users a monthly fee for accessing the the platform. Uh-huh. And um, one, one of the things that they're doing with this is bringing in this idea of premium features. But right now they're adding some stuff to test it out so you don't have to pay for it, but you might in the future type thing. So I think it's a combination of things to try to keep Twitter relevant and have some new features. And it is trying to solve the problem that you mentioned with the, as you call them, troll wars. <laughs> Wireless power demonstrated in New Zealand. Yeah, this was one of the few April Fool's jokes I fell for because I've always oh, I've always really? wanted because some something like this. Tesla yeah. did this. Tesla did it, but it, it hasn't been able to be recreated, um, yeah. at least not in a safe way. They can do wireless energy, but it will fry you if you are in the environment, which is somewhat, uh, uh, you know, will lack adoption. Let's just say under those circumstances. <laughs> so what's going on here is this one's actually not an April Fool's joke. Uh, it is a company in New Zealand. They've been working on this for a while. They've been able to transmit electricity over 160 feet, and they're working on wide area uh, transmission. And it is something that we think, if they really are able to do it, it would actually allow us to, as they say, cut that last cord. So everything's Wi-Fi now. You get things over the air. You don't have to plug in, but you still got to have power. And um, this type of a thing would definitely be something that could probably really change the metrics of all that kind of thing. You have the ability to restore electrical connections if this works without running wires and all of that type of thing. So this maintenance on the power grid, all of those issues get taken care of. And one of the other problems that it solves, and in a lot of places, our country included, a lot of our power grid is aging. Yeah, like like what happened in paradise. Exactly. And these kind of things will happen. avoid that. Yeah, exactly, because you wouldn't have transmission lines that are going to create those kind of problems. So we'll see if this actually becomes a thing. I, and like you said, Nikola Tesla did have this kind of uh, capability, and it looks like this company has been able to recreate it, at least according to what they're telling everyone. Toshiba to stop making laptops after 35 years. Yeah, my nostalgia side doesn't like this. Uh, so Toshiba was once the biggest manufacturer of laptops. And in fact, if you want to see some of their old equipment, you can go online. They had the old 286, 386 platform, uh, ones that ran off floppy disks. And they even had one, I remember, I had one time with a red screen, monochrome screen in it. Really? And, oh, yeah. And I used Toshiba hmm. for a long time. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I had a and couple had of them, too. Yeah, yeah. And they were, they were great machines. But what's happening <laughs> is things are changing. In uh, 2011, they sold 17 million units. And in 2018, they sold 1.6 million. So there's a huge decline. 
In wow. Russia. And this year they've sold off the final part of that division and Toshiba is no longer involved in manufacturing PCs. And the age of the Toshiba laptop has come to an end. And I just checked on this and went on to Best Buy's website and the brand has been completely removed as something that you can even shop for. So it is, uh, it is definitely a thing of the past and they had some great products. I really like mine and it's kind of too bad to see them go away, but it does go to show how technology changes. New AI robots to hold personal conversations. Yeah, Jeremy, this was an article you found. Oh, yeah. And um, the idea of this is, at least according to the article, was to make them for seniors, although I think this could work for anybody. And in this time of lockdown and COVID-19, it might be nice to have someone to talk to. But plain text communication is something that is uh, getting to be out there now. Smart speakers are starting to support it. Uh, Both of the platforms you have with that uh, are out there, Alexa and all the rest of them have this kind of capability. There was a test being done by a university over the last two years where you can just carry on a conversation. So the idea of plain language AI is something that's coming and it is something that looks like it's here now. The robots are kind of cool looking. They uh, do definitely have a human feel to them in a way as as far as they're put together. And that has been one issue that uh, humans generally, at least according to the marketing people, don't like robots that look like humans. So we'll yeah, th- I think I would rather have a, a one that looks like a droid, like yeah. like something from Star Wars or some bigger, other science fiction thing. A bigger version of Pepper would be fine. Yeah, I can definitely say, and I think I speak for our entire audience, no one is surprised that you would like it to look like something from Star Wars. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Here's my Darth Vader droid. Isn't he scary? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's hope that the law of robotic operations is held with these guys because uh, – <laughs> no, but it is definitely something. And I can see where this type of a platform would be beneficial in certain circumstances. So it's going to see – where it goes. Boston Dynamics is another big company that's been working on self-contained robotics. And uh, their stuff looks a lot more like animals, kind of a strange version of yeah. it. Fido's kind of scary. So well, Fido <laughs> has an arm that comes out of his head. So um, yeah. You know, so anyone that's trying to visualize this, just look up Boston Dynamics. They've got some cool videos out there. And in fact, Gretchen, this will be one. Let's throw this out on our social media this week Okey and uh, uh, let everybody take a look. All right. So that's the news. Again, got a great show for you this week. I hope you stick around. Great interview coming up here. It's always fun to have guests in this time of COVID-19. We do things differently. I miss being able to meet people in the studio, but it's still fun being able to talk to them. So it's a great thing there. And like we were saying before, check us out on social media, One User Friendly on Facebook, One User Friendly on Twitter. And every Wednesday over at TheAnswerPortland.com, we have Tech Wednesday. And Tech Wednesday is where we answer your questions in depth. Goes on the air for a little bit on Wednesday, but the article that goes with it answers the questions. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Jeremy and Gretchen, we didn't get a chance to welcome you to the show yet. Oh, yeah, that's a bummer. Here we are. So welcome, welcome. <laughs> also joining us, Bill Snodgrass. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey. So it's been a while since you've been able to be on. And uh, how are you doing with the lockdown? I mean, where I live in this cave in the middle of the desert, 
I mean, I'm worried about the sand people coming back in more numbers, but you know. <laughs> I guess, strictly speaking, we're out of lockdown now, but things still are bizarre anytime you go outside. So, <laughs> <laughs> what so, was that? That you're out in the Dune Sea while we're in Mos Eisley? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it just it just is. But you know, you try to make a good thing out of everything, and one of the things that we finally it forced us to figure out to do, and it's turned out to be a lot of fun is that our group together, including all of us here on the show, every Sunday, virtually online, do uh, tabletop role-playing. And we've been doing a couple of different games and having a lot of fun with it. And Bill runs the games for us and also runs the technology with Roll20 and that type of thing. And as such, I know you have a game, a tabletop role-playing game to review this week. Um, so let's start with what are you reviewing? Well, as you know, we've, I've done a lot of stuff that Paizo sent over, especially for Starfinder tabletop RPG. During the lockdown, I kind of actually missed it in a way because I'm used to getting the hardcovers. But with everything going on, you know, publishers and stuff like that, printers have been a problem. Uh, they sent me over the PDFs. So a little bit behind. Um, but they sent me over the Starship Operations Manual and another book called uh, Near Space. Now, the Starship Operation Manual is just an expansion on the rules that gives us more options for ships, including, uh, what do they call them, super colossals. So now you have these options to go from, you know, you know, since we have a lot of Star Wars fans, we'll we'll go with this. We have the options to do like a Tie Fighter and X Wing level to uh, the Super Star Destroyer, especially like the uh, what was it called, the Sun Sun Killer or something like that. Oh, Star Killer was a guy. I'm thinking Sun Crusher or whatever it was, but it was really Super Star Destroyer. So they have uh, yeah. weapons like that that you can add in. There's more stuff for like doing campaigns. It's it's just a lot of resources that way. You know, it's well put together. It focuses very heavily on the starship combat, which, you know, not a lot of other games really have that aspect as well thought out, I think. It is different because it feels like it's playing two different games between like when you're running around as people and when you're doing starships. But once you get into it, it's great because everybody has a role still. That's uh, cool. The other book, Near Space, is focusing more on the uh, some of the races that are closer to their little lore center area, mostly on the Vesk, which are the giant lizardmen. In a way, they kind of remind me of the Gorn from Star Trek. I think it was the Gorn. Yeah, Gorn. Yeah, Gorn. Yeah, so they're these warlike lizardmen. Uh, my understanding is they're kind of like a mixture of Klingon and just all these kind of warlike races and such um, mixed together. A lot of great stuff in it. It adds in a lot more planets, uh, lore, stuff like that. So if that's your race of choice in the game, you know, this might be a book for you to pick up because it covers just so much backstory that way if you're using it. Pretty well set together. It's a smaller book coming in, I think, at about 163 pages, 160-ish. PDFs are always hard to tell how many pages there yeah, are. <laughs> not the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and this is something, uh, first of all, to uh, just mention this because we're supposed to, is that the material for this is provided to us to review uh, for free. Oh, yeah. And we, we thank uh, Paizo uh, for doing that. And it's been a lot of fun to be able to actually see some of this stuff before it comes out. And they do an embargo like they do with a movie. So we get to try it out, but then we have to wait to talk about it. So, you know, sometimes it's like, I want to talk about this and we can't. So it's a lot of fun to be able to uh, to see this one, especially since, like you say, the hard copy books are becoming kind of hard to do right now. And I want to ask you, you kind of touched upon this with uh, the science fiction weapons and ships and races and different things like that. But we had a listener question come in a while back 
that asks about tabletop role-playing. And their question was, is tabletop role-playing only fantasy? So in other words, is it only Dungeons and Dragons? Can you, and I know it's not, but can you talk a little bit about some of the other things that are out there just in general? Oh, you get so much. So Starfinder is kind of a mix between fantasy and sci-fi in that it's space travel. But of course, you can still use swords, shields, stuff like that. Um, They brought in a lot of the old uh, races from their from Pathfinder, so you still can play elves, dwarves, gnomes, stuff like that, but also pretty much anything you really want to come up with, uh, work with your dungeon master with to come up with for a race uh, is kind of possible in that one. Uh, Just this weekend, as you guys know, we played Call of Cthulhu, which is uh, Eldritch, uh, Horror, Lovecraft, uh, those kind of things uh, set in the 1920s. And yeah. we set it in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, actually. Yeah, that was fun. Um, was. That game covers full eras from Wild West clear up to modern, I think, in Call of Cthulhu system. There's Trial of Cthulhu and some others that really cover that. Uh, you have Shadowrun, which is a cyberpunk game. Uh, I know cyberpunk's been big on the news. Everybody's waiting for that as a game to come out. In fact, cyberpunk is based off of a tabletop role-playing game uh, cool. by the same name. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Shadowrun stood out to me um, always because you had this reintroduction of magic with the high technology. So you had cybernetics right next to magic. You have, you know, orcs, trolls, dwarves, gnomes, elves, humans, uh, ghouls. And and there was like a lot of different things that happened. And you just get a lot. I mean, there was even dragons. In in the lore, like a dragon destroys half of Europe at one stage before everything kind of kicks off. Um, But, you know, there's just... There are a lot. I have uh, I have tabletop RPGs based off of just like Roll Twenty basic um, stuff for uh, shows for anime. I, there was one for uh, Dresden Files, so you had a supernatural thing. You have uh, Vampire the Masquerade, which is alongside Werewolf and Mage and Changeling. So you have like this whole plethora of things in the World of Darkness set. You have I have a role playing game where you play. Character sheet has five characters or five goblins on it, and you play them because they're expected to die, and it's just free form. You guys kind of have a goal, and you do it. And it's called. Uh, it was by Grant Howitt. Um, Hewitt, sorry. No, it's a. You know, it is. Uh, it's actually amazing. The the um, absolute number. I know we've played Savage Worlds and Rifts, and these are all different ones too. So, well, Bill, oh, thank yeah, you Rift. for thank you for the information. I got to cut you off because we're out of time. Yep, we'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where we answer your questions. Keep them coming in. 503-766-6264 or 1UserFriendly on Facebook and Twitter. Or go to our website, userfriendlyshow.com. Send us your questions and your comments. And here are the ones for this week. What is LastPass? Yeah, that sounds like something kind of, you know, end of like the day. Like just before you die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's not. It's actually a good product. I use it. And what it is, is it's a way to store your passwords securely. So as we always recommend, you have different passwords for things. And as I always say, sometimes it's not feasible. They say that we have an average of 90 accounts online now. um, And that's an average. Some will have more. So the idea of being able to remember, just remember 90 different logins and passwords. I don't know, unless you're some kind of a 
you know, upgraded cyborg, that might not be possible. And I think the upgraded cyborgs even have problems with it. So they've come up with LastPass. Now, there's a couple of different ways these type of products work. One is completely software-based. It installs within your browser, keeps track of your passwords, and you can share it between browsers. So obviously, that's the password and stuff that you would want to keep secure. Because if that got out, someone could conceivably get into everything else. The other way, which is the more secure way, is to buy a physical device that looks like a flash drive. And then in order to log on, you have to plug the flash drive into the computer. Now, of course, everything has a downside. And the downside to that is if you lose your flash drive or break it or something, you've got a problem. So um, you want to keep that, you know, keep that information secure. But it is a program that's designed to do that. It is very helpful. I still keep track of my passwords offline, but it does make it a lot easier. There's something that I don't use that often. It can just log me in and it does it securely. What is TikTok? I always thought that was a clock. Me too. Yeah, I thought it was the sound that a clock made. <laughs> so, and it's been in the news a lot lately. I believe yeah. that's where they got the name, by the way. Like everybody's banning it. Yeah. TikTok is a social network for sharing user-generated videos, mostly of people lip-syncing to popular songs. Say that three times fast. Users no. can create and update their own videos where they lip-sync, sing, dance, or just talk. You can also browse and interact with other users' content which covers a wide range of topics, songs, and styles. So it's a social media site that's kind of, in a way, a, a video version of something like Twitter, although it is unique unto itself. Now, Isn't that like Vine? Uh, Vine is another similar idea, yes. Wow. So, right. Jeremy, now you were saying that it's banned or being banned in a lot of places, and the reason there's a concern is because TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, is based in Beijing. And the idea here is that there's a concern. Now, they adamantly, to be fair, deny that they've ever done this. But uh, Chinese companies are obligated to turn over information to the Chinese government upon request. So very different business setup than what we have here in the United States. And the concern is, is that your personal information that's being used to log into TikTok is being shared into China. Now, the company says that the Americans' data is only stored in the United States with a backup in Singapore so that it's never actually kept in China. So again, two sides to that coin, but that's why there's a concern. It's looking like Microsoft may be buying this, although there's some other bids out there now too. So we may be seeing some changes on that front. And Jeremy, as you said, it is to be banned in 45 days, I think it is. And uh, so we'll see what happens. Is TikTok safe to use? Other than the sharing of your information, I think it's as safe as any social media platform. But again, and this is something to be concerned about across the board, whether it's TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, or whatever, you're providing somebody with a lot of information and you're banking on their ability to protect it. And we're on some of our social medias. We don't have the concern that we were just talking about with storage in China. There still is this idea that a lot of information is being shared out there. And I'll just quickly quote this. It's something we covered a while back, but I was involved in a case study once where we, uh, with permission of everybody to see how it would work had a family that had a nine-year-old girl that went about her business using social media. And by the end of the day, we were able to, just from her post, figure out where she lived, where she went to school, where her bedroom was in the house because of our uh, ID traces on the pictures, global positioning, and everything else. So it's important to know what you're sharing and figure out what you do and don't want to have out there. What equipment is required to take an online class? Depends on the class a little bit, but honestly, as long as you have a fairly new piece of equipment, computer, tablet, whatever the case may be, fairly new being even the last five years, you're probably good to go. 
I know with uh, most of the online classes that the school districts are doing uh, with the virtual training is using things like Chromebooks. And a Chromebook is a basic computer. We've talked about them before that just allows you to browse the web. It's uh, great for most people, but it doesn't do high-end things like gaming and stuff like that. But it's still able to handle it. I've taken classes on my tablets. I even took one once on my smartphone. So (laughs) it seems like it supports a lot of different things, and you don't have to do anything too special to get it. Well, that's our Q&A for this week. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Joining us now is Steve Mailer with a guest today, Brian Perry. This is going to be a great interview. Steve? Well, thanks, Bill Gretchen and Jeremy, as always. I've got a really fun guest today, a good buddy that I've known here and around Reno, all types of different production environments and kind of crossing each other on different sets. His name is Brian Perry, and he's an actor-producer, really great guy, and he's been pretty busy surprisingly busy given what's going on. Brian, welcome to User-Friendly. Hey, Steve. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No, no worries. I, listen, I, I caught a, an interview that you did the other day with our, our uh, good friend, Doc Durden, and he got me to very interested in hearing about some of the great things that you have been doing. Uh, one of them is a music video that you just wrapped uh, last week, I think, for a group called Seedless Tendency. Okay, I got. I have to hear about what this video was about because you were you were passing along a, a lot of very interesting tidbits of information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot of interesting tidbits in that video. It definitely uh, it's one that people are want going to want to check out for sure. It's um, it you know it's a local group here in town. They've been around for probably seventeen years or so. Uh, they do sort of a reggae rock fusion uh, sound, but they are. Um, this video uh, that we just wrapped on actually two days ago um, is basically it's about what's really trending and happening right now uh, with the politics, politicians. Um, I portray a politician who basically is on strings and, and is a puppet. Um, oh, wow. So what's going on. Yeah. And so uh, and it's really it was really interesting how things were were received here locally. Um, I thought people were going to start thinking as we were shooting it the different locations that they might think it might be more about BLM or something like that. Uh-huh. Everyone, everyone we came in contact with people on the street, people in restaurants, but there was a lot of open areas, as you know, along the river where, you know, by uh, certain restaurants, things like that, that we were passing by. And it was almost like I was on a political campaign <laughs> waving and, you know, <laughs> trying to get them involved. Next thing you know, everybody's taking pictures, taking their wow. cameras out and it became a very organic thing. And everybody understood that it was about a puppet politician. So um, it goes through that process of, of what we see uh, outwardly isn't always what we are, have going on behind the scenes. That's fascinating. Kind of give you a, well, you know, maybe yeah. maybe this is an indication of the next career path for you. Uh, no, I don't know about <laughs> that. I mean, you know, uh, definitely, definitely um, not. Although somebody said, man, you should work for city council. I'm that, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. It was pretty funny. All right. Really well, now, now this has finished wrapping, but is there a slated time for release on this? We're actually, we're actually, it, it was, it was going through post production, uh, being put together as we were filming. So, okay. I think probably within a week, ten days, it's going to be out. Um, and 
you know, when that happens, I mean, I can, I definitely can, uh, you know, shoot you a link and you can, you can check it out and nice. you know, send it on to the people that, that might be listening at this point. Okay. But yeah, seedless tenancy and seedless tenancy and you can, you can look them up. I, I don't want to give away the, cause they're, they're doing it in conjunction with their, uh, LP release. And so I don't want to give okay. away too much of it. Um, that's but, fine. You know, they'll slow, they'll slowly roll it out. So yeah, you played fine. the role of a politician. That's a change for you. Well, it, 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 yeah, knowing me as you do. Yeah, it's absolutely a change. That's good. Um, I, but they, they, they liked it. They cast me because of the resemblance to Cory Booker. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that makes sense. All right. Cause I did yeah. see, I did yeah. see a posting on Facebook where your picture was compared to someone who I believe was a politician yeah. and there was a really strong resemblance. Yeah, that was Corey. Nice. Yeah. And I've heard that I've heard that before. You know, so hey, if that's gonna make me money, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the money's always good. So and I heard yeah. I heard about another interesting project that you have coming up that involves you going to New Mexico. Absolutely. I got, Absolutely. I got yeah, this one. I gotta hear about that one. Go for it. This one it's called I'm super stoked about it. I got okay. I, I you know, I've known the I know the creator and the producer uh, of this project. They actually have about 10 projects that are in the works right now, but because of COVID, you know, it shut a lot of things down. However, they do have five that are in legal, actually, at HBO right now. Um, and they have five more that are at network being reviewed right now as well. Wow. Um, the one I, the one I got cast in, I got this nice little email saying, Hey, you've been cast. It's a deal memo. Here you go. Uh, is called American Coyote. Okay. Um, and that's what's going to be filmed out of New Mexico. Um, and I play a sheriff in that, um, a sheriff uh, who's trying to figure out, you know, how the cartel is bringing in product through uh, a secret tunnel that's over that, that they know where most of the tunnels are at, but here's a, a secret one that nobody knew about. And there's a, there's a young man that gets involved in trying to bring his family through that tunnel, not realizing it's cartel. And he gets kind of oh, caught wow. up in the cartel and the threat of that. While that's going on, he's, you know, he's trying to protect his family. Cartel's trying to bring their product and people. I'm trying to figure out everything that's going on with it. So it's this, 10 weeks of shooting in February, and okay. I'm looking forward to that. Project. This sounds amazing. Now, this is a feature film? This, this is a, a, a television series. A television series? Okay, yeah. so what, what platform, what delivery platform might we find this on eventually? Uh, I'm, I'm having a feeling it's probably, you know, without speaking out of line, it's probably going to be Netflix or, um, nice. you know, maybe a, a Hulu. It's, it's, um, uh, or it might be picked up by HBO at this point. Um, you know, it, I don't want to, you know, again, get in sure. the way of their business that they got going on, but it's, um, it's definitely under, under the eyes of those who make the decisions. It's a huge budget, a lot of good people in it. Um, wow. and so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. This is probably the, as far as my career goes, it's probably the, the biggest opportunity that I've had. Um, okay. To, you know, this, so. Now you, I noticed and I've been, I've actually been following your career and you do tend to play law enforcement quite a bit. And I, cause, <laughs> cause I mean, cause I, I've seen you in police uniforms and you, you do, I have to admit you look pretty darn good. You look very convincing. Does it, yeah. do you feel like you're being typecast in any way? Uh, I absolutely, but okay. you know, Hey, um, you know, I was in, I was, I was in law enforcement in the past. And so, it kind of makes sense. Um, oh. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not the small, I'm not the smallest guy. Right. Um, and you know, so it makes it, it makes it easy. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm playing always a good cop. Okay. I play a, I play a lot of, I play a Ooh. lot of dirty cops. Nice. I, I play a lot of cops with their own, you know, officers with their own street justice and, and things like that. You know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's been, it's been great for me. Um, okay. you know, I, I like the idea. I like the idea that I'm going to be playing sheriff in America, coyote, American coyote, because you know, it allows me to, be the good guy trying to figure things out. 
Okay. Um, I get it. uh, Try to try to have some sort of moral fiber in there, you know. That well, I mean, so even though it's still law enforcement, this one sounds like a little bit more of a stretch than what you're used to. Yeah, and I've done. I mean, I I haven't done as much of, but I've done. Okay. You know, some serious roles, some dramatic roles. I've done. I'd like to do more comedy, actually. um, And uh, and or play a doctor or play something else. I mean, yeah. I mean, I do. Like I said, I do get I do get put into that uh, arena. But I mean, I've done probably thirty different projects where I play a detective, officer. You know, I mean, I was a firefighter for ten years too, so I get a lot of that. Wow. Okay, I can totally um, see that. I can totally see yeah. you in a firefighter's uniform. Yeah. Well, I Brian. Do that. I do yeah. That Brian, this all sounds awesome, and I'm really happy to hear how busy you've been. If if someone wanted to reach out to you and contact you for other projects, how do they do that? What's the best way to reach you? Um, they can actually go to, you know, they can find me on Facebook, um, at Brian Perry actor, or they can find me on Instagram or snap. Um, or they could, uh, you know, email me at Brian at agreement pictures.com. Okay. Uh, if they're interested, um, or if they want to see, they can go on IMDb and they can just look me up. Brian Perry. Well, there you uh, go. Brian e- 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 so. Well, folks, he's here and he's for real. Brian Perry. Thank you so much for joining us here on user friendly. We're already out of time, unfortunately, but I do appreciate you being here. Uh, Jeremy, right, thank you. Okay, Jeremy, Bill, and Gretchen, guys, take it away. Steve, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Totally. You know, it's it's a lot of fun, Bill. I, I'm glad you were able to join us. It's it's great to be able to look at some of these different things. And even though the official lockdowns are hopefully forever over, we never know from day to day, but still being safe and, and being inside, there are things you can do. And tabletop role playing is definitely one of them. Oh, yeah. Now, it actually overloaded Roll20 servers when lockdown went into effect here because just so many people were like, oh, wait, I can go play Dungeons and Dragons or whatever online. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it <laughs> absolutely is. And for anyone that doesn't know, because we've mentioned it a couple of times, Roll20.net is the website. And it's one that we've been using. Uh, we talked about it and kind of reviewed it a couple of weeks back. But it allows you to do everything that you would normally do on a desktop or a tabletop online including the maps and being able to keep track of things and rolling dice and that kind of thing. And I don't think there's anything out there for me that will ever completely replace physically rolling dice. But if you can't be together, this is a very good second option. And the other thing I do have to give them credit for is when I first tried this out a number of years ago, I hated the platform. Oh, yeah. yeah. It has its characteristics now. It has character, but it works well, well enough to be able to use it. Oh, yeah. Just in the year I've been using it, it was way better than when we first tried. <laughs> that was almost, geez, three, four years ago. And oof. yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's come a long way and I'm, I'm glad that it's out there and I'm glad that it's something for everybody to be able to use. So, well, as we're always hopeful that uh, things will get back to normal eventually, and we'll get to go to conferences and conventions again, looking at the schedule for the next year um, and the rest of this year, it doesn't look so good. The only one that's still out there that may happen is the Star Trek convention in December in Las Vegas. Um, I wouldn't bet on it for our Las Vegas people. (laughs) Um, I'm still looking for somewhere to buy dice that I can actually touch before I buy them. But, but, you know, so, uh, you know, but it's uh, things will get back to normal at some point. Um, 
I do notice they're canceling out the uh, consumer electronics shows, a big one in January that's been uh, moved to virtual for yeah. next year. So, you know, we'll see what happens. All of a sudden, things will change. So just hang in there. Yeah, we're doing the same thing. It's been fun to cover. Covering Black Hat Virtual was interesting. Uh, so these things are out there and they're worth doing, but nothing replaces the experience of being able to go and network and all of that will come back at some point in the future. In the meantime, we're here for you. One of the other things we do is Tech Wednesday, and you can find that at TheAnswerPortland.com. And every Wednesday, we do a blog post that digs in-depth to something you ask us about. So we're on the air, but we actually answer the questions and give you way more information than you probably want to know on these things. But it is out there. Send us your questions and your comments. We can use them, 503-766-6264. On social media, it's one user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter, and we even have a website. And we really do, userfriendlynation.com. This is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at theanswerportland.com or userfriendlyshow.com.